right now we are seeing a lot of economic turmoil going on and even potentially a recession. Well, did you know that the rich get even richer in recessions? And right now we are entering the best time ever to invest in real estate. Hey guys, Dustin Heiner here. I've actually been on two episodes talking about Fresno, California and Phoenix, Arizona. And speaking of Phoenix, Arizona, you need to come and hang out with me and 43 other expert real estate investors who are going to show you how to invest in real estate in the recession. You need to come to Phoenix, Arizona for the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. This is a conference for investors by investors to help you invest in real estate. This is a no sales pitch conference where we are going to be helping you to invest in real estate. And in this annual conference, you are going to be learning how to become a successful real estate investor from expert investors. I want to give you 10% off of your ticket to the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. Use the promo code Lee to get 10% off your ticket. Go to rubcon.com, R-E-W-B-C-O-N.com. And I will get you 10% off if you use the promo code Lee. You can change your life and become financially independent by investing in real estate. I'll see you at the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in La Paz, Bolivia with my new friend David Karamanis of thetravelingpod.com. David spent six months in Bolivia as a tourist while also donating his podiatry services to locals who needed his help. He's been in Bolivia twice now and loves exploring the mountains and meeting its people. In this episode, David and I talk about riding the famous gondolas, visiting the Uyuni salt flats, and hiking the Devil's Tooth. You hear about these three amazing experiences and so much more. If you know someone interested in visiting Bolivia, I'd love it if you shared this episode with them. The show notes and our one-page guide to David's tips are available at wetravelthere.com forward slash La Paz. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Hey, David, welcome to the show. Hey, how you going? Uh, doing great. How are you? I'm so good. Right on. So uh, obviously for the listeners, you can tell they got a little Australian accent going on there, but today we're talking about... <laughs> Uh, La Paz, Bolivia, and you're traveling around like through South America, partly as a tourist, but also partly for a really like endearing and like community-based need. Oh, that's cool. You talked me out. Yes, that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> well, we'll definitely talk about that a little bit later on, but like what's your connection to La Paz? I was there last year in April 2021, and I spent six months in Bolivia, most, most of my time in La Paz. But I actually got into a little bit of trouble. I um, overstayed my visa. I didn't realize. I thought I could exit and come back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, anyway. So I ended up staying six months, which I should have only spent three months. So I got to a little bit of trouble through immigration. But it was a fantastic. It was worth it. So it was my second time uh, in La Paz. So it was really cool. Well, hopefully that'll, be, that'll serve as a little bit of a warning for, for the listeners. To, <laughs> yes. Yeah, the last thing you want is a Bolivian jail. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Do your research. Yeah. <laughs> Better than I did. So... For you going into Bolivia, then you required a visa to go in there and you get three months. Is that what it is? So I'm super blessed. As an Australian passport, I get most of South America, except for Chile. I get three months free. Um, so I don't actually have to do anything. I just get my passport stamped. I'm on a tourist visa and I spent three months per year. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure you know the US probably has something similar. I'll have to look that up and, and put it in the show notes or something. But yeah, it's one of those things like, you know, you want to go visit some of these amazing countries, but 
you got to make sure you, you follow the rules and understand <laughs> the entry rules in order to be able to get in there. As you can tell, I'm pretty relaxed. I just, <laughs> you know, I got, I got kicked out, went straight to Peru. So don't, don't worry. I'll... Nice, nice. So if you had to describe like the people or the, the city in just a couple of words, how would you do that? I said definitely I would take unpredictable because people are super lovely, especially as a gringo. I'm a, you know, I'm a foreigner and they're very kind. I always ask for help. I always ask questions to people. It's a bit hard because not many people speak English in, in La Paz, which I found. Generally, the younger generation that you know are studying and things like that, they can speak English. But it, it was quite hard to find, I, I found. But I said unpredictable because you'd be on a bus and you might be going to the airport or you might be going somewhere on a bus. And then randomly there's protests and there's so many protests in, in La Paz. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's times where I'd get off the bus, everyone gets off the bus, you'd walk through the protest, then catch another bus and continue on. Okay. So <laughs> it's just, you have to, yeah, you have to be really adaptable, I think. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, like you said, a lot of people don't speak English there. Is it just traditional Spanish or is there, is there like a local dialect? So in La Paz, in the city, it's just normal traditional Spanish where you go to all over South America, you get the same sort of. Everyone speaks a little bit different, like as in the speed of it, the pronunciation. Sure. You know, different little words, you know, like plastic bag is like bolsa in Bolivia, but in Ecuador it's funda, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's if you can speak Spanish, you'll be absolutely fine. Okay. When it comes to English, um, I went to a local church and I found people. You'll always find people that can speak English. It's just not easily found compared to like other places in South America. That was my, my find because I've been there twice now. Okay, sure, sure. And then so I would assume also along the same lines is obviously people are speaking Spanish, but also like all the street signs and directions and everything like that are also in Spanish, right? Yeah, every, everything's in Spanish. So based on that, like how was it for you that doesn't really speak a lot of Spanish getting around? Listen, I'm very all right with asking questions. I go up to people with my Google Maps, my Google Translator. Everyone's super kind. Okay. Um, they will help you. But you have to be okay with getting things wrong. When it came to... Traveling by bus, you know, you see the bus, it's in Spanish. I have no idea where it's going, but I know it's going in that direction and that's the direction I need to go on. So I'll jump on a bus and then as soon as it goes to a different direction, I'll get off and jump on another bus and I just keep doing that until I get there. So. Perfect. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Like like I said, I, I know you've been kind of migrating you know, around through South America. How did you actually get to La Paz and like, or for me from coming from the U.S.? flying in will we fly into the major airport there or yeah, yeah. okay so there's different ways to do it you can either fly in to el alto that's el alto international airport and this one sort of tricked me so el alto is like right next to la paz i thought it was one big i thought la paz was just one big place but el alto is a little bit separate it's higher up so la paz is about three thousand eight hundred meters it's like one of your highest cities in the world in altitude so if if, uh, if you've never been in altitude before, you're going to get hit pretty hard when you fly into Bolivia. Al Alto is where the airport is. It's actually like 4,000 meters high. So when I first got there, I was quite dizzy because I came from Australia. The first time I went to Bolivia, I came from Australia, flew into El Alto, and going from flat to 4,000 meters quite quickly, you definitely feel it. Oh, sure. But you definitely adapt. So, yeah, so El Alto, you can fly into the airport there. Or you can come by bus. At the moment, I've been doing a lot of traveling by bus. It's a lot easier. You're doing a lot of traveling. 
Going by bus, when you cross the border, you get your passport stamped, you get in and out. When it comes to the airport, you know, they check your bags, they do all that sort of stuff. Around, you know, the pandemic with the COVID situation, you know, there was a lot of requirements getting into different countries. Now everyone's really relaxed. Okay. But it was just easy going by bus. Yeah. So if I'm going to fly down there, I'm going to fly into the airport, like you mentioned. And then from the airport to the city, is there public transportation? Is there a bus? Do you rent a, a taxi? Do you rent a car? What do you do? Yeah. So being like me, going there, say like the first time I was there, jump in a taxi, you know, you use the meter, you know, a 15 minute taxi trip will cost you about roughly 15, 20 Bolivianos. 10 Bolivianos is roughly a dollar fifteen American. Okay. That's how I sort of understood it. If you know Spanish um, and you're quite confident, jump on a bus and you could you could definitely get out of there or buy a bus. But okay. taxi is definitely the way to go. The cool thing about La Paz is, so they obviously have buses, they have mini buses, and they have these cable cars, and which is a pretty cool experience. So a lot of people go to La Paz and, and just enjoy spending a day riding the cable cars. So they're just sort of like, they're called telephone. Berlicos, I think it's Spanish, but basically they're just over the city, quite high up. You pay, I think it's two Bolivianos, if I'm correct, to get onto this cable cart, and they're all color coordinated, so it makes it easy. So you go, like I used to stay near the green cable cart, and then the city links onto the blue one, so I just go from green to blue. And that's just a good way for a tourist to sort of remember how to get around, like, oh, the city's at the blue one, or I live at the green one. So Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of like, I saw pictures of them, and it looks like basically like I was just skiing for spring break and everything, and so it's basically just like a gondola like that you find at a ski resort. Yes, I didn't I couldn't remember the name of that, but yes, <laughs> So we hop in a taxi, uh, it's, like you said, it's, it's relatively cheap uh, as far as taxi ride there. In order for you to do that, I mean, do you need to be able to exchange currency? Do they take you know, foreign currency? Do they take credit cards? Like, How do you pay for some of those things? Yeah, so you definitely need to get in Boliviana. So at the airport, you'll be able to change um, some currency. Generally, even before you get to Bolivia, because that so for example, I went to the Bolivian airport and they don't have Wi-Fi. So it was a big kick in the nuts because, you know, if you're like me that hasn't booked anywhere to stay, you rely on getting internet when you get to the airport. Mm-hmm. Makes it a bit hard to, you know, point someone who speaks a different language in the direction. So, so yeah, so I would probably get, you know, the airport before you get to Bolivia, I'd just get a little bit of currency, you know, like, you know, 20 American dollars, 50 American dollars. You're not going to get the best rate. You know that. Yeah, you're going to get fees and all the yeah, rates exactly. and stuff like that. Yeah, but. But you just have something in your pocket just to get from your taxi to wherever you want to stay. And then once you're in the city, you can either – it depends how confident you are. Like I've taken American dollars on the streets and got it into Bolivianos exchanged. Mm-hmm. I've also – you know, you can go to banks with your passport. But to be honest, for me, Western Union was the best one. Yeah, that's super, super easy. Have you ever used Western Union? Not for that purpose. I, but generally what I do is I, I have a, a- – uh, a debit card from the American bank that waives fees on like ATM withdrawals and everything. Yeah. And so they waive all the fees. They generally give like one of the best foreign exchange rates possible. And that makes things easier. But sometimes it's like just a matter of trying to find an ATM uh, that I can use. So some of the issues is, so I'm here in Ecuador at the moment, but when, when I was in Bolivia, same as South American countries. So you go to an ATM and you might have to go to three different ones because the money's run out at the ATM and things like that. It's just a bit painful. So the good thing about Western Union is I, you know, you download the app on your phone. 
I'm the sender and then I'm the receiver. So I'm David Karamanis in Australia sending money to David Karamanis in you know Bolivia. And I just have to give my just a random street where I'm staying at. So I could be staying at this hostel, give this hostel name. And it saves it. And yes, I'll send, you know, let's say I want to put a thousand Australian dollars into Bolivianos. And then all I do is I go to Western Union. There's heaps of Western Unions everywhere. I go give my passport and yeah, take the email confirmation. And yeah, I get it in the currency that I want it. So it's pretty cruisy. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Good little tip. So obviously now we got a little bit of cash. We, we got from the airport to the, to the city. You mentioned hostels. Where should we stay while we're there? Are there like some of like the big American chains or is it primarily like local like mom and pop type of places? Okay. So when we talk about the big American chains, like they don't even have a McDonald's there. So you're not going to find the big American chains. Okay. You will find higher end hotels and things like that. I can't give you any names because I stayed at random people's homes. Literally for my six months, I stay, I paid for one night stay so I was very, very blessed like that. People are very open. You, you meet good friends. You're traveling by yourself. Generally, people will offer you accommodation and stuff like that. But there are some ways to get around, depending, you know, what you're doing there. But you could, for example, I had a friend that stayed at the Wild Rover. It's in the, in the actual center. In the city center, there's a church called San Francisco. It's a tourist attraction. Everyone goes there. Yeah, the Basilica of St. Francis. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's beautiful architecture. So people like love to do that as a touristy thing. But that is like, for example, if I ever get lost, I say to the taxi, can you take me to San Francisco? Like everyone knows where it is. It's a good landmark. Mm-hmm. The Hostel Wild Rover um, is right near there. There's so many different hostels around. So you, you'll never sort of not have a place to stay. Okay. But that's being a younger person who wants to meet different travelers, you know, that's a good place to be. But if you're with a family – and you're only there for you know, a week or two weeks, you probably want to stay somewhere a bit more comfortable, a bit more secure. So, yeah. Now, you mentioned like uh, you're kind of like secure and everything. What's it like out on the streets there? You know, did you feel safe the entire time? You know, are there any like neighborhoods maybe you need to, to avoid? I felt really safe, to be honest. I'd walk around, but it's just common sense. Um, you know, I look around, I see a guy walking and texting, using his phone. I can do the same. Like I feel I just match the people around me. Uh-huh. If I need to walk at night, if there's no one down the dark alleyway and it looks really sketchy and there's another way you can go, you go that way. But generally when there's people around, everyone's nice. You smile at them, they smile at you. So it wasn't a time where I was like, okay, this is this is bad. But you, there's always people around in the city. You know, maybe some homeless people, maybe an old lady, maybe a mother with a child. Yeah, people work on the streets and things like that. So okay. it's, it's one of those things where if you can look confident, you might be a bit nervous inside, but if you can look confident outside, you're not going to attract any bad attention. That's right. You got to fake it till you make it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But there wasn't any like one area where they're like, don't go here. Like it was, you know, your city's always going to have a bit of a, yeah. you know, people hanging around. But yeah, there was no one place. Okay. Now I know like, you know, you were part tourist, part part work while you were there. Uh, what are some of the, like, the the main attractions that we should do while we're, while we're visiting La Paz? Yeah, cool, cool. So, as I said before, people like to spend the day just um, going to the cable carts and traveling around just to the different places. And it's just generally to see the fruit markets. They have a, a witch's, um, what they call it, like a witch's shop. But I didn't really find it that cool, but um, a lot of gringos, a lot of people really like it. It's So, San Francisco Church in the, in the main plaza, if there's a street right next to it, like literally if you're looking at the church on the left of it, it's the main street. If you walk up that street, it's so touristy. It has you. If you ever want to buy any like 
Bolivian jumpers, jackets, just different things like you want to take home to fam, like souvenirs. That's your street. And also on that street is a lot of tourist guides sort of thing. So I climbed a mountain there called Wainapotisi. It's not too much of a technical mountain. Okay. And they give you all the gear, all that sort of stuff. So you just go to the tourist agency and say, hey, listen, I want to climb this mountain. They're always running it in season. It's, it's super easy. It's, it wasn't that expensive. It's a two, two or three days. So that's one tourist attraction. If you want to climb mountains, you're into the, you know, the active, you want to get a bit of altitude. You know, Wainapoti was amazing. It was really, really beautiful. Most people come to Bolivia for the salt flats. So in January is summertime. I have to get this right, in summertime. Mm -hmm. And in summertime, it's actually wet season. So the famous thing about Bolivia is you organize it with a tour there. Or if you want to take a bit of a gamble, you take a an eight-hour bus to uni, and it's called Uni Salt Flats. And basically, everyone's seen photos where people are standing in the middle of nowhere, and it's like a mirror to the sky. It's like oh, yeah, salt yeah. on the – yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can do so many cool camera tricks, but um, it's not just the salt flats you spend. Generally, people do a three-day tour where it's like two nights, three days. Okay. And there's different colors, heaps of different flamingos. You'll see gauzes where the big smoke comes out of the ground and all these. It's super true. It's probably your most touristy thing that you'll do in Bolivia, but it's touristy because it's super beautiful. Yeah. So you just go to a, a tourist agency, hey, I want to sign up to do the Uni Salt Flats. And you, you can just go to different tourist agencies and see what price you can get. If I give you a tip, go with someone who speaks Spanish or a local because you generally get ripped off when you're a bit of a, a gringo like me. Uh, sure. <laughs> they're like, they're like, he can afford it. He's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Now, I was looking around and, and trying to look at uh, some of the other most popular things to do there. I saw like the there's a National Art Museum. I'm not sure if you, if you had a chance to visit that while you were there. There are a few art museums. I did go to one art museum, and it didn't cost much. I think it was like 20 Bolivianos, which is $3 or something like that. And yeah, it was good. I actually, I'm into my art a lot more these days, probably more now than I was back then. So I went to one art museum. There are art museums around, so you can definitely Google that, and they're a lot of fun. It really depends what you sit into. Like, if you're more into the adventure side, you can go do, they call it Death Road. <laughs> it's a pretty cool name. It's where they take you on top of this mountain, and there's like a, a bike pass. You basically ride on this road all the way down. Um, they call it Death Road because when it first started there was a lot of deaths <laughs> as you can tell oh <laughs> so cars and bikes used to share the same road and this road was really once you do it you could the cars don't come on that road anymore okay so they deviated it and they made it a bit safer with you know barriers and stuff like that but there are parts on the bike path that if you fall off you, you're done so obviously you have to you know be careful but they're, they're very how can i say they try and make the name scarier than it actually is. Oh, like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone it's, can it's do all it. marketing. It's all marketing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so that's a tourist attraction, Death Road. It was actually, you know what? I didn't want to do it because I don't really like doing the touristy stuff. Yeah. But I did it and it was a lot of fun. Good way to meet people staying in different hostels. It's generally gringos that do it. So it was a lot of that's, fun. That's because the Bolivians are smarter than us. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I know that uh, from one of the pictures you you sent me, there's actually some a couple really cool hikes that are there as well. And this is what I really enjoy because you're not going to get a lot of people. Um, You can do it by yourself if you're pretty keen to do that stuff. But there's one 
you just catch a bus or you can, you know, catch a taxi up. It's called um, Devil's Tooth. It's a great place to have a picnic with someone. You've got a little special someone. Take some food. You hike up. It's not a strenuous hike. Taxi drop you there. Get to the top of it and you just sit and overlook the city. You know, during the day, the sun's out. It's quite warm. So it's just a perfect picnic spot. It's super beautiful. It's all green around. You know, I did hike. Like I went from just where I was staying and walked there. It takes a couple of hours and I used a maps.me and that got me a little bit lost. But, okay, the sad thing about Bolivia is there are a lot of stray dogs. Mm-hmm. I, I love animals. And in the city area, dogs are quite friendly. But once you start going on the outside of the city, they're very territorial. And that's one thing you sort of go like, I, you've got to be confident. You know, there's times where I had to pick up rocks and throw it near the dog and scare it. There's one time I nearly got bit. I had to sort of you know, kick my legs out and yell at it to scare it off. And So, yeah, that's just something to be mindful of. When you are hiking by yourself around those outskirts, you know, you are going to come across, you know, a couple of dogs. And so just to be confident and you know, don't be scared to pick up a rock and to show that you're a bit more dominant. Oh, sure. I've never really met anyone that's had big problems with it. It's just... If you're not used to, you know, in Australia, you don't see stray dogs walking around trying to, you know, they bark at you like they want to kill you. <laughs> sure, sure. A lot of times I travel uh, solo with my kids. Obviously, like from the photos I've seen of you, you're, you're fit. You look like you're young and everything. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, my kids are like right now, they're they're 8 and 12. Like, yep. like a hike like that, is that something that is doable for somebody that's a little bit younger? 100%. You take a taxi, you don't do what I do and just wing it a bit. Take a taxi to the top of the point. It's a small hike up to have a picnic. Okay. But if you want a bit more of a longer hike where you actually feel like you're hiking, there's one called the Valley of the Souls. And when you Google it, it's going to have a different name because it's in Spanish. I just can't remember the Spanish name. But it's called the Valley of the Souls. You just have to um, Google it and you'll find some instructions how to get there. Like I meant that's how I got there. You follow this bus route, get off. You can If you want a paper, you get a taxi. They'll drop you off at the start. And yeah, it's, it's just super beautiful. It's, the rock formation is really gorgeous. It's like real spiky sort of pin looking like. It's, it's hard to explain. I wish I could just throw, show you some photos. But Yeah, well, I'll, I'll include a photo of that in the, in the show notes. Like, okay, again, sometimes my Spanish isn't always perfect, but it's like Valle de, uh, de las Animas. Yes. Yeah. Good so on you. You're doing a lot better than I am. <laughs> I think you're a year now. Yeah. <laughs> so... One other thing that I saw that, that seemed pretty cool, there's the uh, the Plaza Murillo, and that's, I guess, where there's a lot of, like, kind of like the city hall and, like, the government buildings. they got a nice statue there in the, in the middle. Yeah, so there's that plaza area is quite famous, just super touristy, which is nice. Like, it's you can be buy some street food there. There's heaps of different statues. It's like a government building. You have the people. They have the soldiers, you know, uh, that have marches and stuff. Okay. And close by, it's, you know, that's where you have the San Francisco Church is walking distance. It's just, if you're into your architecture, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool day to, you know, go around, check out the different churches, the designs, you know, the government building. Yeah, it's quite nice. Get some good photos. Fantastic. Uh, now, you just mentioned street food there. And I know I've, uh, part of the, the joy of traveling is being able to check out the local foods and, and finding, like, some uh, local delicacies and those types of things. What are some, like, the best food places we should visit while we're there? My favorite so obviously my Spanish is not amazing, but one of the things I love saying is soy chancho. It's saying I'm a pig. I love eating. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets every Spanish person laughing, but especially when a gringo says it. But yeah, no. So almuerzo is my favorite time. It's lunchtime. So they call it almuerzo. Not every place has it. 
Um, so you can go to a restaurant, have a normal meal where you, you know, you order off the menu and you pay and that's that. Yeah. Uh, but there's a thing called Omoizo where, listen, if you look at it, you might look at it and be like, this looks like I'm going to die here. Like it just, the food just doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't look like your, you know, your nice fashionable restaurant. It looks like, you know, a rundown workshop sort of thing. The food is amazing. It's all like, like homemade food. Okay. Um, so Amoyza basically is you pay about 10 to 15 Bolivianos and you get a soup and then you get a plate of food. The plate of food is like basic. You're not going to get like a ravioli or something like that. But you generally get the choice of, you know, fish, chicken or, or beef. And it comes with some rice, maybe some salad and avocado, things like that. If you're on the budget and you want good food, you, you'll find that you'll fall in love with Amoyza. It's amazing. Oh, nice. So 10 Bolivianos is like $1.50. So it's super cheap. Um, so you could just be walking randomly. I'm hungry. Okay, there's now Moisa, and it generally runs between like 11:30 to about 3:30. Okay. But you know, if if you're not that adventurous and you've got a sensitive stomach, you know, you go to the touristy places, like I said, San Francisco area, and you'll find heaps of foreigners there. They have you know cafes, they have restaurants. It's a little bit more expensive. I never had a problem with my stomach. You'll find even some uh, vegan restaurants there. I know a lot of people that are listening that are vegan. Okay. Sorry, I should say vegetarian. Probably not easy to find, but they definitely have vegetarian restaurants there in more of the the gringo touristy areas, which is around that San Francisco area. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm 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 probably a little bit more on the sensitive stomach side, and you know, <laughs> you know, you, you don't want like Montezuma's revenge and everything uh, affecting your <laughs> affecting your trip. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you have a little bit of that iron stomach and are willing to try and, and sample the locals, then that's that's the best way to go. You can walk past, you know, little shops and get fresh fruit. It's, you know, you'd be adventurous, see all these different fruits you haven't had before. Yeah. And it, it's super lovely. So if you get sick of eating local food, you know, you can go get like a pizza and things like that. There's an area called Cotta Cotta. You'd have to go on a cable car, catch two, two different cable carts to Cotta Cotta. Uh-huh. Um, and it's a bit of away from the city, but it's a cool little restaurant. Um, it's actually quite hidden, so you'd have to Google it. But it's called Emilia Alazala. Do you want to give it a crack? Emilia <laughs> uh, Alazala? Yes. Okay, I'm sure you can put it on the notes. But I ran a, a project there, and I used that restaurant. And I met the guy, the owner, lovely guy. It's a really, really nice, like, it's got a cool little environment. It's like an outdoor backyard sort of vibe. If you looked at it at the front, it's not your typical pizza restaurant. It just looks like a, like a garage door. You're like, what is this? But once you go in, it's super beautiful. Um, the pizzas, I met the guy. I like how he does his pizzas. Um, they've got wood fire pizza oven. So, yeah, it's really, really nice. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm very particular about my pizzas, and I'm very disappointed in South American pizzas. But this one is quite nice. I've, I've tried it. The guy's nice. So I definitely give it a thumbs up if you're craving a bit of a – a normal pizza. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Well, David, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing tips for La Paz. I've learned so much about it and can't wait to go on a hike and hopefully bring one of those like nice puppies along with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited La Paz, where should they go and what should they eat? Oh, near Cota Cota is a place called Israel Poyo. It's like basically... I love get your chicken, your rice, and and your spaghetti with a, a, a banana. It's it's amazing. Uh, you get good serving as well. Oh, fantastic! Now, like you said, you were there for about six months, and you're know, doing a lot in the community and, and helping people out, as well as like just exploring on your own. Uh, what's one of your best memories for being there? 
Oh, you know what? Just people. I'm a big believer that people are super valuable. Relationships are valuable. So when you get connected with people, the experience changes so much. So my memory was just doing some of the volunteer stuff, to be honest, because it's not just the event. It's the process of connecting with people, organizing things with people. You spend a lot of time with people when you're organizing stuff. So get involved with, you know, maybe there's an event running or get involved with some you know, organizations and you'll meet some lovely people and great experiences. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Definitely a good thing to do. And, and, you know, sometimes we, we forget how like blessed we are with some of the things that, that we're able to do while we're traveling and everything. And if you can give back to the local community is, is a great way to fulfill the, the rest of that trip. Yeah. Right. Well, well, speaking of good times and happy memories, where's the happiest happy hour in, in La Paz? Okay. So my friends stayed at a hostel. Generally, hostels have pretty good party vibes. So there's a wild rover. It's near um, the city center. So you could walk from San Francisco Plaza and it's called Wild Rover Hostel. And there's heaps of different gringos there. And then you get some locals. But they generally do like Friday night, Saturday night, and I think maybe Wednesday night it was, one day in the week where they do do a happy hour quite regularly. I actually don't drink alcohol so i'm as i said this question is probably the worst thing for me but my friends really enjoyed it if you feel like having a, a bit of a social you know party bit of fiesta yeah I, I definitely go to one of these hostels where you know they have drinks available there and they do a happy hour but yeah that's the best way to go i would think for sure and i think that's a like you know, going to those hostels is, is a great way for you know sometimes people are a little uncomfortable going to a place where they they don't really speak the local language and those types of things Go in that hostel, you're going to meet some people that have been there for, for a while, and, and they can introduce you to some locals. That way, it's a little bit easier of, a, of an introduction for you, you know, and then it's just kind of, you can kind of branch out from there, I think. I think that's a good way to kind of get to know some people and get a little deeper connection with the city. I got my best ideas. So I'd go to a hostel by myself. Say I wanted to go to the Uni Salt Flats, or if I wanted to climb this mountain, or if I wanted to do a day hike. You go into the hostels and you meet people and you talk to them and they've already done it or they want to do it. So you can either join their trip and generally the people stay hostels are very welcoming. They want to have a chat with you. They're interested about your life Mm -hmm. and you'll make friends and you'll do things with people. A lot of hostels like these days actually have, I encourage it, they might have like a board and they'll like write down like I'm doing this activity, who wants to join, this is my number, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, they actually try and connect people really, really well. And it's a good way, as I said, to speak with someone in your own in your own language, English, if, if you get a bit tired of the local language. <laughs> you mentioned like leaving your number and everything. Is like cell service okay there? I know you said like the airport doesn't really have Wi-Fi and stuff, but how is it you using your phone being able to connect while you're you're traveling around the city? Yeah, cool. Most places you go to, like restaurants, cafes, they will have Wi-Fi. Hostel will have Wi-Fi. So it depends. Like, you know, if you're only there for two weeks, you're not going to go buy a SIM card or anything like that. So you'll just you know, use the Wi-Fi and you'll be pretty sweet. Okay. I'm not too good with the roaming system. Like you know, some countries you can just use your normal SIM card that you haven't paid for international. It's quite expensive. For me, I like to go to the actual the country and just straight off buy a SIM card, get a number, and I just pay for data and I just WhatsApp or use my Google Maps. Uh, and I'm, you're pretty sweet. For sure. Yeah. And you can actually download Google Maps onto your phone. So that way it's resident. You don't need a lot of the, the Wi-Fi or, or, or data downloads too. You know, someone showed me maps.me and uh, you can actually download. I can download all of Colombia. So when I get to Colombia, it's all offline. And then, then you can see the hikes and stuff like that. So maps.me is another one as well. Perfect. Now, one of the things I always do whenever I travel is check out the local pizza. What's the best place for pepperoni pizza in La Paz? 
as I said, that that restaurant before, that's the place I would go. I'm a bit disappointed. You'll you walk past pizza restaurants. I'm just not a big fan. I'm a bit particular. I love making pizza myself, so nothing can beat your own pizza. But um, this would fire pizza place in Kotakota, and I can't pronounce that name, Emilia Aluzaba. Yeah, that sounds anyway. good. Yeah, cool. I do it. Anyway, so that's, <laughs> that's a cool experience. So I, it was nice to sit down and have a pizza there, and it was actually it was really nice. Nice. Right on. Now, I know you're traveling a lot, like you're, you're taking the bus between the countries and, and doing all these adventurous things. Uh, what's your best travel tip? Okay, my, personally, my best travel tip is, depending how long you're going to be there for, but if you're going to be there for a little while and you want to actually see the country well, go to your local church or go to your local event. And I'm a big believer, obviously, you know, I, my faith is in Jesus Christ, so I, I like to go to the church. I went to this church called Kairos Church in Kota Kota. But the thing is, people are super lovely. You know, they accept, everyone accepts locals, but it's nice to find someone who is a local who can speak a bit of English. And you generally find that in a, in, a, in a big church. And you can just ask them, hey, this is what I want to do, or hey, I want information there. And people connect you like, oh, I have a friend who does this, or I have a friend who does this, or I can help you with this, or I'll drive you there. And it's just a good way to make local friends. Just, you know, join a, like a local community is, is a big one. Don't try and do everything yourself. Ask for help. And yeah, that's my best travel tip. You always get a different experience when you're with locals. For sure. And I think kind of like the broader message there is think of the things that you like to do or the things that are important to you and find some people that have that same relationship. Like for you, like you know, religion, you go to the church, you guys already have like that shared bond already. Yeah. And it's, it's like a warm lead instead of like a cold lead. Yes. 100%. That's the best travel tip I would keep. Again, David, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Okay. So I'm Australian. I left Australia. I actually, I'm the guy who flew over to another country for a girl. Didn't work out. Came to Bolivia with a bit of a broken heart. And uh, I had this desire to volunteer my podiatry skills. I'm a podiatrist. I work as a podiatrist. And yeah, so I just got connected with an organization called MedFund. And I started doing medical trips and providing podiatry service. And long story short, I have this vision now where I want to provide podiatry service to communities that can't easily access it. And also, I want to demonstrate love, value, and acceptance for vulnerable kids. So, you know, I've been running an event called the Pizza Challenge in different countries that I go to, just making sure the kids are having a great time, that they feel special. They're the two projects I do whenever I go to different countries now, my podiatry service and organizing this event for the kids. So that's it in a nutshell, to be honest. But if you want to check out more, I'm sure you'll have my uh, YouTube channel in, like in my uh, website up if you can follow my little journey. Well, we'll definitely uh, include links to both of those, uh, your, your YouTube and your website. Uh, if somebody has questions about your podiatry practice or about Bolivia or about anything else that you have going on, what's the best way to reach you on social media? Ooh, so on my website, you will have my Instagram, you have my Facebook, you have my email. So yeah, there's so many different ways. There are some times that I won't have internet, but that's, you know, generally everywhere you have internet these days. But yeah, Rich, I'm very, very open to talk to people, any types of questions. So yeah, look forward to it. That sounds fantastic. So the website it, uh, itself is uh, thetravelingpod.com. We'll include links to that in the show notes. And David, it's been great talking to you and we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Thanks, Lee. Thanks for the laughs. It was good. What an awesome conversation with David. I admire his generosity for donating his podiatry services and sense of adventure as he travels throughout South America. 
can find all the links we talked about and our one-page guide to David's tips at wetravelthere.com forward slash LaPaz. We want to say thank you to RubeCon for being today's sponsor. The Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference is a three-day conference by real estate investors for real estate investors. I love that there are no sales pitches or wannabe gurus trying to sell you their courses or coaching. Instead, you learn about how to get started and how to improve your business from actual real estate investors. I'm presenting as well, so please say hello if you attend. Tickets are on sale now, and you'll save 10% off your registration when you use the code LEE at rubcon.com. That's R-E-W-B-C-O-N dot com. Join us next time as we head to the Sunshine Coast of Australia to speak with my new friends Leanne and Lyle McCabe of the Beach Travel Wine Podcast. In this episode, we talk about the Kalundra Music Festival, exploring the Noosa Everglades, and visiting Kundalula Falls. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell me what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations. 